Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is an incredible visionary. Pierre Legault has spent his entire life helping societies most marginalized. At a time when social economy and entrepreneurship were pretty much unknown to most people, he founded what is arguably one of the most important organizations in Quebec, Moisson Montréal, which helps distribute over $90 million worth of non-perishables and other food items to Montreal's needy families every year. Having felt a sense of accomplishment, he resigned and went on to create yet another significant organization, Renaissance, which not only has paved the way for social entrepreneurship in Quebec, but more importantly, through its mission to provide affordable clothing and other essential items to Montreal families, it helps the unemployed get all the necessary resources to reintegrate the job market. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Mr. Pierre Legault, thank you very much uh, for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I got to say, you know, I was, I was doing some research, uh, you know, just to prepare a little bit. And I realized that I was part of a very select group of people that had the privilege of not only knowing you, but uh, also working together. Uh, obviously not directly. I didn't work here, but uh, on different projects. And uh, I, I got to say, knowing uh, everything that you've accomplished, which of course we're going to talk about, um, I feel very privileged to, to, to have had that opportunity over the last 11 years. Of course, you know, your, your headquarters being in the riding that we used to represent, it almost made it impossible during those 11 years for our paths not to cross. Especially that we're like, you know, like what, five minutes yeah. walking? Or yeah, just across the street almost. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I'm really, I'm really, uh, I, I really feel privileged to, to, to have that. And, uh, you know, we're going to go through the stuff that you've accomplished and uh, it's some amazing uh, things that you've uh, you've contributed to our society and uh, thank you and again you know i just uh, i'm very thankful for it mm. um you know i'm looking back at everything that you've accomplished and it seems to me that being involved socially and helping the um, the more marginalized people in our society has been something that you start at a very early age uh um it was you know in a the way I guess I can uh, explain it is that uh, it starts like a, as a teenager, like anybody, you know, you try to, uh, to find what you're going to do in life. You know, what is it that fulfills me? And as I had a very happy childhood, but not so happy as a teenager. Mm -hmm. My dad had been in the army, was very, you know, wanted me to be a leader and he was trying to toughen me up. And it was the flower power days, you know, so we were like, he was on an agenda. I was on another one. So we clashed. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and eventually I, you know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was not doing too bad in school, but I took off to see the world. I went to travel, you know, at the day of my 20 year old birthday, I took a flight to Lisbon, went to the Azores to, and then to Lisbon, wanting to see the world. Uh, and within a few weeks by luck, by chance, I ended up at large of Jean Vanier, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the son of the governor general, the from the 60s mm -hmm. and he was working with uh, emotionally not emotionally but um, uh, physically handicapped, physically, yeah. uh, mentally handicapped uh, adults 
And I spent a few months there, and there were youth from all over the world working uh, in that village in Trélibéré, north of Paris. And that's where I realized that uh, uh, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, working with people in need and uh, helping them, I find I like that. And I said, that's where I discovered, okay, I'm not sure that's what I want to do exactly, but relation, uh, uh, helping people, doing that make me feel good about myself, make me feel like I was contributing to society. So, uh, and there's a few things that happened after that, but the short answer is that's where it happened. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do something to better uh, the life of other people. Uh, that was the general direction. That's when I, I figured out that's what I wanted so to that, do. So that, that, that was the spark. That was the spark. And I was 20 years old, so 1974. Uh, and then I met a Franciscan monk who was working in a village in southern India. And he said, why don't you come and uh, see me there? But that's another story. Yeah, but yeah. I went traveling to India following that. And when I came back to uh, do uh, my schooling, uh, I decided, well, this is what I want to do. So I do a first, got a first degree working with emotionally disturbed kids, delinquents, and that eventually led me to the food bank, Moisson uh, Montréal, and then to Renaissance and uh, helping people to find a job. It's incre what's incredible is that, first of all, not too many people have that opportunity to travel the world, right? And yeah. to get to know the different cultures, uh, to get to meet the different people, uh, to get to experience situations that perhaps here we, we're unaware of, right? Uh -huh. um, and then to come back here and to, um, to make that kind of difference, for me, is honorable. Um, and, and you mentioned the, the Moisson Montréal. That's the first organ major organization that, that you created. I don't think there's one Montreal. I don't think there's any, any person in Quebec that hasn't heard of. Uh, Moisson Montreal. Um, and again, I was looking at this and I thought, geez, you know, in, in the early 80s, how did it take so long for us to, you know, quote unquote, institutionalize the food bank service? Because uh, of course it existed before. I mean, you know, you, you had churches that would offer uh, food, clothing, different local community organizations. I'm, I'm sure there was something before to help these people, but it was never as an organized structure. And it struck me. I was curious to see, you know, how come it took us that long to create uh, this sort of organization? Yeah. Well, it's a bit mind-boggling. And actually, it's not far from here in the basement of a church where we started. And I remember the first, I'll tell you the story, the story just right after how it happened for me, why I got involved into that. But at first, when we went to see at Marché Jean Talon and we went to see general foods craft and we were saying you are there's good food that is being wasted mm -hmm. uh and uh, there's people that are hungry uh and it doesn't make sense that in this society day and age that good food is being thrown away while there's hungry people in in, in montreal uh and people were, would say well if you want the food buy it man you know just yeah. like and that was often the reaction until we changed the paradigm, if I can say that, and suddenly it became really like uh, not well seen by the population uh, that you would throw food. And at, uh, uh, today, people say, obviously, you don't want to throw yeah. good food when there's hungry people. But it's back then, even, it was kind of a standard yeah, thing. Yeah. So how it happened for me is I was working with emotionally disturbed um, little girls, six to twelve year old. Um, little girl that had lived very difficult times in their uh, in their family. They had lived all kinds of abuse, 
and they were so traumatized that they could not function in school. Mm -hmm. You know, they would have crisis and all kinds of stuff. So the uh, the court would place them in this setting, and I was trained as a psychoeducator mm -hmm. to help them, uh, you know, just get their emotion back together and to be able to function back into society. Mm -hmm. And there was one of the little girl, Lynn, uh, you know, nine-year-old, you know, short with straight hair, little bang there, and she... But I've, you know, like this, she had, she was tough. She wasn't really tough. She had a very soft heart, but she was pretending to be tough, which we went along. And one night when I was alone as an educator, welcoming uh, the little girls uh, and trying to put them to sleep, you know, a, a Sunday night, they had spent the, the weekend with their parents. Lynn came in and I, I was in the uh, dormitory, which was in the basement, and I could hear her come in and she was yelling. She was unhappy. And I was afraid. I was alone with twelve little girls, and I didn't want to have going in altered direction. So I went to see her and said, "You wait for me. Stay in the living room. I'll come and talk to you." She wasn't happy. She went there. She was crying. She was. There was some rage there. So I put the rapidly the other girls to bed, and I went to see her and what is going on. And then she started, and she would rage often, but rarely cry. You rarely mm -hmm. could see. You rarely could see tears. But this time I was seeing tears. I said, like, what's going on? And then she started sobbing, saying, I, I didn't eat this weekend. It was the end of the month. And my mom uh, didn't have enough food. And then, you know, the gate opened and the, <laughs> and the cry. And she, and she said, my mom sold my bed. I said, what? Well, and Lynn had been all her life. Her mom had placed her into foster home, and then when the mother saw that Lynn was getting, you know, close to the foster family, she would be pull jealous and pull her back because herself, the mom was emotionally mm -hmm. uh, unstable. So, and and she said, "Well, there, we need the money, and anyway, you have a place at the center to go, so you'll sleep on the, you know, on the sofa in the living room." And then she was crying, crying. So, of course, Lynn's big question in life is, does my mom love me? Do I, do I have a home? And then her mother, again, you know, it was a stab to her heart. So I was very um, distraught by that. I was able to calm her to sleep. And then I said, oh, what is this place? You know, what is this place, Montreal? And then we were in the early 80s where there was so much wealth, mm -hmm. so much wasted food. And you had the, you know, the farmers going on the news saying, yeah, throwing uh, milk in the river. I don't know if you remember that, trying to keep, keep the price of the quota and the wasted food left and right. And we have children that are hungry. It didn't make sense to me. And I didn't know what to do then, but uh, it stayed with me. And then I saw um, a few weeks later, uh, a show from CTV, about an organization in New York called City Harvest, who had the bright idea of having a little truck on the road, and maybe had a couple of trucks by then, going to, to a restaurant, to institutions, getting the food that is still good, surplus food, and moving it directly to agencies, feeding people like Lynn or the families mm -hmm. and stuff. So I said, we need that in Montreal. So I spoke to a few friends who had seen the show. We went down to New York. At that point, I thought I would do that as a volunteer because mm -hmm. I had my job at the same yeah. uh, And we got some training, a day training, and we came back with the idea, idea of doing it in Montreal. So we got incorporated and applied for a federal grant to start that because you had some agencies, but you had no agencies 
as a hub to collect large amount of food from the general food, the craft, the bakeries, to be able to redistribute. To distribute, so yeah. people think food banks is like some agency giving to people for us is not a food bank. It's a pantry or something like that. Food bank is like the, 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 the entity that people will accept to give to because they redistribute to agency. So that's the idea that we had. So we started that in a basement not far from here. Uh, as a volunteer, we got a few students during the summer. Uh, but then it was going to end at the end of the summer. So there was a question, if nobody goes full time to do it, it's, it's going to collapse. Mm -hmm. But something happened is that the people from CTV Toronto who had done the show in New York, New York. phoned back New York the, the next year. And they said, hey, how is it doing your product? We'd like to have an update, you know, once we, next it's W5. That was yeah, the show yeah. on the Sunday night. And they said, well, you don't know that in Canada there's a project because of your show and it's in Montreal. So they phoned me and they said, we want to do a show on you. We want to talk about the project that came about to help people because of our show. So I said, uh, yeah, I had no experience of doing public speaking or going on the radio and the TV. So I was a little scared saying, uh, is that going to go? But I said, okay, why not? And I, uh, so they, it was, they said they would come in August at the end of the project, you know. So they came, they filmed, uh, and uh, they aired the project in early October and it just, I, I don't know why, but everybody saw that show. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were, uh, the next morning, I ended up on all the radio stations, French and English. And we had article and paper. And we, knowing that it was coming, we sent uh, grant requests to the foundation. We got in trouble because we didn't have any permits. But we didn't know about permits. But the, you know, ignorance is blessed. Yeah. Say. Mm -hmm. And from that, we got the money to start Moisson Montréal. And it got going. It's incredible. See, you were saying the story of the little girl and, you know, one would think that you're, you're talking about the 50s or the 60s, you know, like post-war uh, era. Yeah. This is the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what was the portrait of Montreal back then? Well, I'd, I think it's it's question of uh, consciousness, you know, like there was, you know, the, and today... You know, it's not that different. You know, it's just like people live in their own surrounding. They have an, an awareness of consciousness of what's near to them. If they're well-to-do, they're in that world. And people don't cross world. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about the two solitudes, friend and English, but there's a lot more solitude, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, if somebody sees a child that's hungry in front of them, they will do something. Most people will do something, you know. But these reality exist, but they're hidden. And it's when you get confronted, and sometimes it's a structural evil, if I can use evil in that sense, that you have really people in pain struggling and because the way things are structured. And unless you start shaking those structures, making people aware and pushing some, something else, things will not change. And a lot of our world is living these people in pain, suffering because we have done the way we're doing things forever and we're not changing the way we're doing things. So it just so happened that I was touched personally because where I was and there were other people to help me to make this happen. So it, it took a direction and I never, and I, and I felt I was called to do that kind mm -hmm. of work. And I stayed into that line, but somebody else might have lived the same thing if they're, and do the same thing if they would have been in the same condition, mm -hmm. but you need to shake the structure to make things happen at one point. You know, what's amazing. I was looking at some statistics a couple of days ago, just in preparation for this and, 
you're looking at uh, the the food bank service and you know the, that is offered and i saw that you know over 35% so like over one third of the people using this service are under the age of 18 and they just represent what 20 roughly 20% of the population and this is today's statistics so i i, I don't even want to imagine what it was back in the day and you know we're looking at this and one would probably imagine that it's gotten better from what it used to be. I mean, when they're showing that statistic, you're like, okay, I mean, we're living in 2019 now. It probably got better, but it's still a bad number to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the 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 problem of uh, uh, poverty uh, in Canada or worldwide, for that, for that difference, is uh, is is really very much a question of uh, choices because. You know, an argument could be made, and uh, that food banks should not exist. You know, the wasted food should be picked up, should be reused. But having people depend on food banks, it's far from being the best answer of course. We, uh, we can have. Uh, and there's countries that are trying to, you know, get people, help people get out of, of poverty. Uh, and and it's poverty. It's insidious. You know, once somebody is in a situation of poverty, often there's a. It's not not one or two factor that they're not working. It's like the whole is health situation. They're uh, it was like know, a chain reaction of events. Chain, yeah. you know, and getting people out, they might have a bell. Some problem with their health. They might have a judicial problems. So if you want to really, you know, there's a whole society and it's structured in such a way. That unless there uh, there's a you know concerted effort, there's a action plan over many years, you will not do it. And so so we're still with that situation because there's a lack of awareness that it can be done, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. And people working are seeing the, lever the leverage in how things be done. And one of that one of the reasons why I stepped out of Moisson Montréal to start Renaissance is that I was I knew the, the need for the food bank and from Moisson Montréal now there's 20 moissons across Quebec. You know, it's the uh, uh, the moisson concept, which was called actually Montreal Harvest, Moisson Montréal at first, but they, they kind of dropped the name, but that's how we really wanted it, you know, mm -hmm. to, to touch uh, both sides of the, of the population. But it, I suppose it's, suppose it's okay now. But that it was there. And I said, okay, it's needed. We need to get that food passage. We don't want any, any hungry people, but that's not the solution. Let's help the people who can get in, into work uh, and get into work. That's where we started Renaissance, and that's a kind of a continuity. Mm -hmm, yeah. And now right. what we're trying to do is like try to get. Now we're trying to find to put together a program that will help people that are further away, want to work but not ready to start five days or four days, maybe one day a week like on a part-time basis. Yeah, on a part-time basis, so that you can, you know, it's like a muscle. Mm -hmm. If you haven't worked for yeah, years, yeah, you got to train it. Yeah, if you feel you're. You're not able. You you have such anxiety. Is there low, left self esteem is very low. You need to work in order to realize that you can work. So we can. We are, our old program is is divided now, but we want to have a second program for the people even further from that. Nice. So that's one way of getting with people. You know, having their um, own job, being able to a hand up rather than a handout is yeah. a way of saying. It. Was there ever, you know, aside from all the good that is being done, aside from the the, the exceptional service that you're providing toward the 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 needy and the, the you know in general the society, was there ever this sentiment of uh, creating? Well, you, you don't create this in order to make a public statement, but did you ever feel that 
through this organization, through the effort that we're uh, that we're making, we're gonna uh, make a statement. We're gonna make a public statement, um, uh, you know, to sensitize society, the government, and all uh, other actors and players to kind of, like you said, raise awareness. Was there ever that thing in the back of your minds that Definitely. this is gonna happen through this channel? Yeah, yeah, we have the. Um different things that we do actually we created a uh, an association across canada and across quebec a federation and uh, across canada to uh, make people aware because that this wasn't at one point we wanted to close you know say like a sunset clause that in two years will close the food bank i think somebody in halifax did it but they reopened of course after and saying that but it's like it's needed because like this Lynn's story, you don't want people to go hungry. Mm -hmm. So you want to have the good food going to people. But it's not the right solution because the right solution would be to make sure that people that are in poverty get you know, the proper support to eventually be able to contribute what they can contribute and that they don't have to rely on people's charity. Because let's face it, food banks sometimes have good food, but sometimes you get you know, a truckload of cookies, Oreos. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like Oreos, but, you know, protein-wise, eh. <laughs> you know, and thank God now they have the, uh, because of Danny, uh, the director of Moisson Montréal, the past director, they were able to get the, the meat, you yeah. know, that was good meat that, you know, on Saturday night will get uh, given to the food bank, which there's more proteins now, but before there wasn't very little protein. So it's not the best solution and it, it's okay now. But, uh, and so to go back to your question, yes, we did meet together. We spoke with, uh, there's articles that were going out saying we, it's good, needs to be done, but we need to have a, a deeper answer to the problematic, which is basically trying to have a real plan to get people out of poverty. Mm -hmm. And that's where Renaissance comes in. So for the people that are listening that don't know Renaissance, which for me would be surprising, <laughs> but let's say, uh, what is Renaissance? Uh, Renaissance is, I would say, the next step, uh, as I said, after the food bank. It's a, we created an organization that would help people that both have the willingness to go back to work, but whose anxiety is very high, self-esteem self very low. So they want to work, but they don't feel able to. So if somebody comes here and, you know, they work, last week and they lost their job we're saying hey you don't need what we have to offer mm -hmm. uh so go you know direct them to an organization a club de recherche d'emploi where they're going to mm -hmm. help him or her find a job somebody comes in and they they really have a, a consumer addiction of some sort we tell them take care of your addiction when the next step is going to be to prepare yourself for a job come and see us. We'll refer them to an agency. So we're there for the people that needs, on a period of six months, can, by working, rebuild their self-esteem, uh, be ready to go for an interview for a job. Uh, and we, we have a program by which we place about 250 people through that six months back into work every year. Mm -hmm. But we have a second program, which we started three years ago, which now, the, it's another 500 that we place. But that is financed by our own revenue as an organization. Mm -hmm. In each of our store, there's a, somebody in a little office that any customer to our, to our, you know, in our store 
can go and say, I don't have a job. I need a job. Can you help me to write my resume? Can you point me to a direction? Where can I find a job? And there's 500. So together, we place about 750 people back into the community through work. Or and maybe 25 of these people are going back to school. Uh, every year so that's basically what we do it's interesting what you're saying about you know auto finance because and i've worked with a lot of organizations as you know and the main issue is funding and to be able to figure out a model that is sustainable without necessarily having to depend on either government grants or private uh, donors or that kind of thing um it's really a very unique model that you have uh with renaissance See, what happened is that as the director of the, the food bank in Montreal, I had to spend more than half my time, and that's what you're referring to. People looking for funds. Of course. Yeah. And then you, had, you would have the flavor of the month of this foundation. So you would have to, to screw, I mean, skew, I guess, yeah. the word, your program towards this direction because they like this kind of way of doing yeah. things. And then you would have to, and not necessarily because that's what you knew you had to do to help the people. So once we talked about Renaissance, I said, we have to do things in different. I don't want, I want to create this organization, but I don't want to be dependent, even though it's going to take us a year to be self-sufficient. And it became a question of, of being, you know, you know, we're asking people to become autonomous, but ourselves will be totally dependent. It didn't seem to make yeah, sense. Yeah. Like, let's be have some integrity here. If we're going to ask people to, you know, get off and you know start doing things on their own, become autonomous, and have the pride of doing that, let's You're do it showing ourselves. Showing the example, exactly. Showing the, the example. So we, what we did, we we looked around. We looked at uh, in uh, in Europe, we in France. There's a model where. You help people through an economic activity, which would be for us, you know, collecting and reselling used goods. So part of your staff, as you're doing that, are people who haven't worked sometime in years or new people new to Canada. Uh, and so and because there's a lot of immigrants with us here and we like it like that. So we're in a place and in, in we're doing integration also into the, the community. So that was that was the model that we had. So let's have you know part of our staff or sure we're gonna be with them and helping them to regain that self-esteem and also get some competencies so that they can be find a job after. But we looked also for an economic model that would generate some revenue and that over time would bring us to a high level of self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. And we found a goodwill model in the States, which is basically collect used goods, clothing, but everything else too, books, shoes, uh, uh, pots and pans, uh, dishes, uh, tools, uh, whatever you think, uh, some furniture too. And we brought that in and we made an, an amalgam and we fused the two models together and that became a renaissance. And today we're, we're there's more than, uh, I think we have uh, eight or 9% that's a contract with Emploi Québec. The rest is just money uh, coming through our stores and all that. And we reinvest in that the program to in our store to help people from the community find a job. And uh, we were in, uh, we're going to get out of Montreal. We're going uh, uh, probably, you know, we was trying to sign a lease in, uh, in, in a city, which I can't name now mm -hmm. because it's not done, uh, but it should be done uh, soon. So, and they were getting phone calls from all over the province saying, we want we you. Want you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we're working with 50 other nonprofit agency that supply us with goods, which we pay. Mm -hmm. And then we're realizing we can have a whole network across Quebec and be kind of the locomotive, like mm -hmm. the engine 
have uh, silly economy, social yeah. economy, and being able to re-give, you know, where population give us some clothes or give it to agency, we pay it back. So we're in a different neighborhood and we're helping people get back into the workforce. So it's a nice model and we got some, uh, we think there's a lot more we can do than what we're doing now. For sure. I mean, just to go over the numbers, there's like uh, 14 stores, you have 21 donation centers, you have 10 bookstore uh, slash donation centers, um, you have a boutique, uh, specialized boutique donation centers, a liquidation center, distribution centers, a mobile donation center, like a truck that goes around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. everything has been thought of. You have over 600 employees. Um, Actually, it's more like 750. Oh, yeah, you went real. Yeah. So the numbers I have are a bit outdated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over 82% of uh, placement rates. And since the creation, you've helped place over 4,000 people in the, um, uh, in the workforce. Yeah. Um, it's quite outstanding. Uh, when you, you think of uh, how everything rolls and how this program works, um, tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned the immigration uh, issue, and I know that you work a lot with immigrants, uh, in addition to helping people reintegrate society, uh, reintegrate the workforce and, and help them get back on track. You also work very closely with immigrants, help them uh, get a little sense of direction uh, into this society and yeah. help them get on their way. <clears throat> Um, and, you know, I don't want to politicize this whole thing, but it is something that pretty much affects you directly. The fact that there's a government that wants to reduce the immigration levels at a time where we <laughs> were, were at a labor shortage in Quebec. Yeah. I mean, how do you see this? Well, um, see, I had the chance of, uh, you know, traveling quite a bit. Uh, lived in Europe, lived in India when I was younger. Um, Renaissance here, I think there's, I think there's... And 60 or 70 different nationalities in our staff. Uh, my HR director is from Morocco. Uh, so we, we got people from all over within the organization. For us, it's a, it's a big plus. Uh, uh, and that's the world, not even of tomorrow, it's the world of today. You know, and, and more people will know about the differences, less of a problem we will have. So to me, economically speaking, to answer your question, I think we need the immigrants. I mean, if you read any kind of study uh, in order because of the population aging uh, and we're experienced, there was a big shift about a year and a half ago in terms of the problem to get uh, employees. So, uh, you know, they were baby boomers are starting to retire and it's going fast. Mm -hmm. And they're saying for the next 10 years, it's going to be, the, you know, you can see, I think it's 4%, 4, maybe Montreal is 5% of unemployment, you know. And so it's, uh, we were in, in Sherbrooke yesterday and it's 3.8. Uh, so there's n profound need for people, for just for the economy to work. So I don't understand why we would have this people. I there's a need for, for me, the, uh, immigrants are not the other. They're like, they're part of, mm -hmm. you know, I'm uh, after traveling at 20 years old, I became kind of citizen of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not threatened by me. I mm -hmm. can understand, though, that some people who have very little contact who are in the regions where there's no immigrants, for them, it's the other. Mm -hmm. We have to protect ourselves from the other. But that's, to me, this question of education and also, you know, opening oneself. And hopefully, in time, it will happen. Yeah, we were talking about this before we went live, how different the worlds are between Montreal and, you know, the bigger cities, Laval, maybe yeah. Quebec City, Sherbrooke, and the rest of Quebec. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's not necessarily mauvaise volonté, yeah. like uh, ill will. You know, I'm just thinking of my mom, who's 85, who grew up. It was all homogène, mm -hmm. right? 
and uh, and with Tatiana and I'm just, you know often we have those conversation about how the world is different and it has to be you know this uh, joy of living together not only tolerance mm-hmm. uh, never mind tolerance but understanding the beauty of you know of being with different culture differences and how and this is and you know and she comes along and th- but that's what we have to do and this is happening actually not only in Quebec it's happening worldwide. Mm-hmm. And there's a back and forth, you know, sometimes there's advance, you know, two, three step up, but one step back. And that's, I think this is what's happening now, yeah. you know. So you just want to make sure that it's not five step back. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, that's the concern. It, it, well, it, it's definitely a, a work in progress. Uh, I, I'm, I'm by nature a very optimistic person. I think just like anything, there's ups and downs and there's waves. Um, I think... You know, people, especially in Canada and Montreal, I understand Quebec is large, you know, I get it, but um, it's almost unthinkable to realize that people are either intolerant, like you said, or, you know, don't understand. There's a huge aspect of education that has to be done. Right. Um, and, I sure. think, and I think what you're doing is uh, directly uh, involved, uh, smack in the middle of everything, uh, you you know, the, the work that you're providing. Um, I, I just want to ask you out of curiosity, um, is there any plans of integrating uh, the food basket or food distribution through the Renaissance Network as well? Actually, uh, we tried not to do that because the the mission of Moisson Montréal was helping people through giving food. But then our mission now is really get people into work uh, and we are troubled at first because people, you know, and our self-financing, our revenue comes from our stores. So if we start mixing the two people come here and they think it's a Saint-Vincent Paul, mm-hmm. or where actually our mission is really get people into work. Yeah. And the stores are a way of financing this. We think the best way of helping people is giving them a job. Oh, for sure. And, and then people start dream, having their own dream and the old family benefit because there's money coming in. And, uh, you know, even behavior that were not so positive start changing because you got to get to bed at that night if you want to wake up in the morning you start having friends too you start having plans so work is a fantastic way of getting people to you know take hold of their their lives and you start uh, having a future and and things get stabilized by themselves do you do you um do you ever keep contact with uh uh, your former, you know, quote unquote graduates, if you want, do you follow oh, yeah. up on them? They, they come here all the time. They pass by, or I have many of them that, uh, you know, just uh, when they change job, they give me as a reference, yeah. which is because, you know, after a, a few thousand, I'm glad I'm not the only one anymore, you know, Be, uh, because people, you know, there's Denis Lafleur, you know, when he changes, he does some telemarketing and stuff. I get the, you know, Zineb tells me, oh, well, Denis is changing job. You're going to get a phone call from the uh, HR of this place and so on. So, and that's fine. You know, that's. Um, I want to talk to you and, you know, we're going to close this up about entrepreneurship because it seems to be, I don't want to say a trend, but there, we, I've witnessed more and more people. Uh, becoming entrepreneurs, uh, starting businesses, um, a lot more, uh, a lot younger people um, are, are becoming uh, self-employed. Um, and it just seems as though because there is, um, you know, uh, social uh, enterprises such as this that are becoming more and more popular, some of them are are very profitable even, they're, they're very successful in terms of, you know, uh, economically. 
there seems to be this kind of wave of new entrepreneurs starting uh, getting into the sphere of social, um, uh, you know, the social economy. How do you see this? Is this something that, in your point of view, uh, is a positive thing, or should people, you know, rather than directing themselves where "quote unquote" the money is, uh, they should maybe have that social awareness first like you did. I mean, you got to learn the issues. You got to travel the world. You knew exactly what the needs were. Is there a clash between, you know, the trend of starting this sort of enterprise and, you know, the social awareness of what it actually takes? That's an interesting question. What I know is that for the past at least 10, 15 years, if not a little more, there's been worldwide a trend for social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's happened in Africa, it happened in South America, it's certainly happening in North America. Uh, and the reason why often is that people were waiting for a solution that wasn't coming to the real the problems. It didn't come from corporation because corporation is there for their own goal of generating, uh, you know, uh, more value for their shareholders. Mm-hmm. So social woes or difficulties are not their concern. They contribute sometimes, but not only that. And governments often didn't have the funds or way of doing it. So eventually some citizens, I said, hey, wait a minute. I mean, we, we have some intelligence. We can use resources. So different kind of projects started happening. Either uh, people finding, repairing computers, getting them to school. It wasn't government. It wasn't corporation. And then some people, like in Africa, about AIDS, started organizing the grandmothers to help the children of the parents that had died of AIDS. And so this old movement of social entrepreneurship took a big, uh, big uh, um, development. And Ashoka, which is supporting young social entrepreneurs, started too. And that is, to me, a wonderful possible trend it's not only corporation or the government people can do things and i think uh, we've seen and with the internet it becomes much easier new concepts are arriving the world is changing mm-hmm. rapidly and to me i like that the other side of your question is that there's some people and some young people starting uh, as social entrepreneurs and 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 they're very celebrated because people think it's fantastic and it is fantastic the problem, though, and I don't know if that's what you're alluding to, but that I see is that they don't necessarily have the right training and exposure. Uh, and so they get celebrated in school as they're being trained over by a few people. And then they're, they go into the, the real life. And then uh, they burn out after two, three years because lack of training, lack of maybe of understanding the real issues because sometimes people working in the issues might not have the money or the other you know the the, the human resources to but they have the answers mm-hmm. so i uh, you know and I, I read an article on that that was right on that young social entrepreneurs should spend times with people that are working with the issues to understand better what are the cause and what can be done before they start a venture. Uh, because now there's money available with social impact uh, capital and there's different things are available that were not there before. But once again, you need to understand what's there and have a good idea, test the idea, 
and then you know spend the time and mm -hmm. you don't do that over six months or a of year course. it's over a few years and then you're gonna have a real impact is there any other challenges you see in this industry like uh, the social entrepreneurship social yeah. economy social mm -hmm. What to me, it's the, well, of course, it's my, my world. I think it's the economy of the future. Mm -hmm. I look at the, the big, big issues that are coming up that are there about, you know, uh, climate change, uh, the, you know, terrorism comes from inequalities and justice, you know, worldwide, uh, economic injustices and all that. So the, it's, you know, what we're trying to do in economy social, the social economy is an economy that's at the service of people rather than people at the service of the economy mm -hmm. where you bypass, you externalize. I think, you know, one of the criticism I have of the economic system as it is now is that the human costs and environmental costs are put aside. Yeah. They're excluded from the balance sheet. They are, the government will take a dip. Well, it kind of worked and now it doesn't work anymore because, you know, if all the corporations of the world keep doing what they're doing and not going into this circular economy and start paying attention to what's happening to the environment, we go, you know, they're saying we have 10, 12 years, you know, this isn't, we're going to be in 2020, 30, 31, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to happen like that. So to me, we have to take into account, and that's what the model we're trying to do is just take account the have not only generate funds to pay for the activity, the activity it's, itself, you know, re, re, the re collecting goods and selling it for reusing is a positive plus and social plus because we're helping people get back into work. We're not saying it's the only model, mm -hmm. but we're saying, you know, economy has to pay attention to the real issues. You cannot, you're not in the world different. I mean, Planets sustain, you know, it's just like so obvious, the people. And if the economy doesn't look after what's going on, we're going to all be in much worse crisis within the next few how, years. How do you think you're doing in terms of um, awareness, uh, in terms of sensitizing? I mean, you've been around for quite a bit. I mean, you, it was created in 1994. Obviously, things have changed since. Do you think there's more work to do? I mean, do you think you've raised enough flags? Uh to, to raise awareness or where are we? Oh, uh, to me, uh, the world um, is, is, is changing to where the issues will force all of us on this planet to realign our values. Mm -hmm. We, you know, it doesn't make sense to, you know, now we have the fast, the fast fashion, you know, you buy clothes that you can wear only five, six times because then they're out of shape. Yeah. And, and so they're, we're filling our, you know, there was an article in La Presse this weekend about the tons and thousands of tons of uh, garments that end up in the landfill because they're not reusable. There's no recycling way of doing doing anything with those slow. And that's true in so many ways. So uh, the issues will force us. It's not just, you know, Renaissance doing it. I think it's, it's worldwide. IKEA is saying we have to be a circular economy, not, you know, our footprint, carbon footprint has to be, you know, reduced by, I don't know what percentage, by 2030, uh, because we have a huge footprint of the, the transportation, the use of uh, resources and all that. So I think it's a general trend and we're going to be much better once we get there. And then we're going to enter into a restoration of the planet but we're going to, because a lot of people are trying, you know, there's more business to be done, more business to be done. 
but we're destroying the planet while we're yeah. doing that and people are struggling you yeah, know? well it also helps also when big players like that start getting yeah. uh, into the conversation yeah. when you have players like ikea and other big players that are starting to yeah, talk about yeah. that it definitely helps it is a um what's in it for the future any new endeavors on the horizon um well, I'm no longer the, the CEO. I know, I just but you're still out. here, so yeah, it's very there. difficult to I, part the ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But I'm. Uh, we want to get out of Montreal. Actually, we've been asked to uh, support um, other organization uh, in outside of Montreal, different, you know, Quebec City, yeah. Sherbrooke, uh, Gatineau, Florida. Uh, so we're in conversation. We want to make sure we're we're also being supplied by other nonprofit. So the idea there is that once we get somewhere, everybody benefits rather than Renaissance taking things. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have services in those regions helping people get back into work. Uh, and the revenue we'll make there, a lot of it will stay locally by us buying, but also uh, us also doing some program with people. We're very excited about that um, because what's, and that's another segment but what was happening in the past few years that most of the the clothing a lot of it anyway was being taken the direction of the private sector which you know to to us you know that wasn't the intention most of the citizen when they give they wanted it to be used for social purpose and they want it also to, they don't want it to go to the landfill. So once, uh, if the most of what's being given by Quebecers ends up benefiting for profit, that's not even Canadian, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not gonna name anybody, well, it defeats the purpose, you know, this is not a socialist environment, so let people do what they do and we can compete, mm -hmm. we've learned to compete, but at least let's make sure we gave people a choice where they can give their clothes mm -hmm. and that's where we're well, you're definitely expanding your footprint uh, on the Quebec territory. And uh, again, I commend you uh, for, for everything that you've done. Uh, again, you know, I've had the pleasure of working directly with you guys. You've helped us out as well um, during our open house where we used yeah. to uh, collect the non-perishable items, get into the share stores over here, usually around Christmas time. You had a huge part in that. Um, uh, and again, I'm very proud to say that... Uh, I got to know you and to 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 see what you're doing, and uh, I wish you all the very best. Um, you look in top shape, so it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if you stick around for many many more years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was lovely, I and mean, I'm glad you asked me uh, to be part of this with you. And it was lots of fun. And I appreciate I, it. Uh, you always understood what we're doing, and we always felt your support. So thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.